Thank you for joining us for this message in our current series called Stand Your Ground. Pastor Kurt Ains is talking about how to study your Bible. Also, we love hearing stories of how God has changed your life through Access and ResLife. Send your stories over to access at reslife.org. We would love to hear them. How many of you enjoy studying, uh, excuse me, <laughs> studying uh, church history, but I love studying church history, and I want to talk to you briefly about a guy named Martin Luther. Many of you know Martin Luther King Jr. That's not who I'm talking about. Uh, this guy, Martin Luther, was one of, the mo- mo- one of the most famous names in all of church history, and he lived about 500 years ago. He actually came up in the Catholic Church as a monk, and then he became a priest. Then he became a professor and a scholar within the Catholic Church. He rose to become all the way up to the very like upper echelon uh, in the elite within the Catholic Church. But the longer that he lived, and as he got further and further behind the curtain of leadership and the practices of the church, it actually became very clear to him that the church began to veer away from actually practicing and living out the word of God and scripture. So here's what Martin Luther does, right? He, he begins to make notes. He starts jotting down notes uh, of the ways that the church was veering away from the word of God. Then these notes actually turned into a book. Then it turned into more books. And, uh, he, and then started to distribute it to the people. And then the one act that Martin Luther is most famous for took place. He actually wrote down, and you can Google this, he wrote down 95 disagreements that he had with the Catholic Church, and then he nailed them. He <laughs> Listen to this. This guy takes these 95 things, and he actually walks up to the church doors with a nail in his 95 disagreements, and he nails it to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. So as you can imagine, he, he got in trouble with his boss. His boss just happened to be the Pope. So the Pope calls him in. And, uh, and he's like, you're in trouble. So he says, uh-uh, uh-uh, not happening, Martin. This, this is not going down like this. Uh, and, and then he gave him an ultimatum, and he said, you must recant your viewpoints and these 95 disagreements. You must recant it or else. So he gave him this ultimatum. And here's what Martin Luther's response was, and you can see this on your notes. And by the way, if you didn't know, you have notes right beneath your seats with, with a pen. You can follow along with us. And uh, take it home with you and study it later if you feel like. So here's his response. He says this. He says, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures, I cannot recant my views because my conscience is captive to the word of God. That's an unbelievable statement. He says, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Let that sink in deep tonight, friends. My conscience is captive to the word of God. So what does that mean? Well, scripture can actually bind. It has the power to bind our hearts and our conscience to the very heart of God. Scripture actually can give us the confidence that when we agree with the scripture, we know that we agree with God. When we disagree with scripture, we disagree with God. There's no way around it. 
Uh, it tells us, scripture tells us what's good, what's bad, what's true, what's false, what's right, what's wrong. But the only way, now please hear me, the only way that any of us will ever come to the conclusion that the contents of the word of God is the authoritative counsel of God is if we accept its authority. Some of what I'm gonna say over the next few moments is gonna be a little review, but it's gonna be important for us tonight. Martin Luther had accepted the authority of the word of God and so much so that he was willing to stand up to the Pope himself in the face of all sorts of danger and personal scrutiny. And by the way, what happened to Martin Luther, I know it's probably on some of your minds, uh, he actually got excommunicated by the Pope and he was deemed as an outlaw by the emperor of that time. Why? Because he accepted the word of God. And listen to me, he took a stand for it. He took a stand for the word of God and God blessed it to the point where it led to one of the greatest church reformations the world has ever seen. The title of this series is Stand Your Ground. Martin Luther stood his ground and God blessed it. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. If we're gonna become men and women of God, this is why the whole series was birthed, if we are going to become the men and women of God that Jesus Christ died and redeemed us to become, we're gonna have to get some things settled in our heart. We're gonna have to have some foundational things about how important the word of God is in our lives. We're gonna have to get it settled in our hearts concerning the word of God. So let's hit some review here. Like Martin Luther, we're gonna all have to, and follow on your notes, we all must trust the word of God and its authority. Now, I, f I fully understand that many of you have a difficult time, many of us have a difficult time with this because we don't understand the Bible, which is why we tackled this series. And you'll have to go back and watch some of the podcasts if, if you missed the first few because it's going to help you out a ton. But you may still be asking the question, well, how can I accept it if I don't understand it? How can I accept the word of God as, our, as my final authority if I don't understand it? Well, there's a whole lot of things that we accept that we don't understand. I, I do not understand digestion, I still eat, right? I do not understand how petroleum actually runs my car, but I still fill up my tank and I still drive. Amen. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I, I do not understand how, and by the way, I just switched over to uh, Xfinity from Uverse at the house. <laughs> That got the loudest amen so far. Something is not right up in here. So we switched over to Xfinity, and one of the coolest features on this Xfinity remote, if you got Xfinity, is there's a, there's a microphone, and you can actually touch the microphone and then talk into the remote. I mean, I literally, last week, last weekend, when, you know, it's middle of March Madness right now, I, I touched that thing, I said, March Madness. And bam, on the screen, every March Madness game that was on that day pops up, and now I can go click you know, through whichever game I want. I don't have a clue how that works. But I'm using that remote, and I feel like the man up in my house. You know what I'm saying? I don't understand it, but I like it a lot. You know, I, I said, I don't understand women. I still got married, but let me say something. Let me, let me say something else, though. You women don't understand us men. You still like us. It's a little bit. I'm getting somewhere. I'm going somewhere with this. So, I understand that you don't understand everything about God. I understand that we don't understand all of his ways, but can we still trust him? Amen. Can we still trust him? Amen. 
So, Proverbs 3 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Now, I sure want to know the path that my God wants me to take in this lifetime. How about you? And it says, in order to do that, I must trust God and I must seek his will over mine. Just like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. He was willing to take the path that his father planned out ahead of time for him. And are you thankful that he did? We wouldn't be sitting here if he, if he failed at that. He said, Dad, I'm gonna do your will. And that needs to be our posture as well. So how do we get to the place where we trust God? Well, it's actually really simple, friends. We choose to. It's simply a choice. It's simply a choice. Joshua 24, I love this, this passage of scripture. It says this, choose for yourself this day who you're gonna serve. By the way, this morning when you woke up and tomorrow when you wake up and the next day when you wake up, you're gonna have to choose that day who you're gonna serve. And by the way, there's only two things that you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve yourself. And if you serve yourself, you're, you're serving your own sinful nature, which is, you know, comes from another kingdom. You, you with me on that? Okay, we, we went through that in the book of Galatians. But, but, but hear me out on this. If we choose this day who we're going to serve, I know your greatest weakness. And I've never met any of you, but I do know and I understand fully What's your greatest weakness is? And some of you are like, how the heck do you know that? You don't know me. I know your greatest weakness because it's the same as mine. Selfishness. That's it. Selfishness. I deserve this. I want that, so I, I should have it. We're all, at the core, selfish. And, and that's, if you choose yourself, you're not choosing God. And I love what he goes on to say. As for me and my household, we're going to serve God. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. So we need to choose to trust God and accept and receive the word of God and its authority in our lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, and I love this because in the original language, received the word of God, it literally means that you welcomed the word of God into your life like you would welcome a random stranger that's walking outside of your house, and you come out, don't know the person, and you say, hey, why don't you come on into my house? You cook them some eggs and make some breakfast and have some orange juice, and you, say, and you welcome them into your house. That's what this literally means, that you welcomed the word of God, when you received it, like a stranger. So you didn't know it. You didn't understand it. And by the way, there's a whole lot of scriptures that we don't understand. I get it. But you accepted it as you would a stranger into your own house. It goes on. It says, you know, you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it, not as the word of men, but actually as it is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe the word of God is only at work in those who have accepted it and who believe. That's it. And when the word of God gets inside of us, it will begin to do work. Why? Because it's alive. And only something that's alive can get to work inside of you. The word of God, friends, is living and it is active. Some of you are thinking, come on, man, is it really alive? Absolutely. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is living, it's alive, and it's active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. It penetrates 
even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In other words, God's word wants to get all up in your business. And it's good at it. Have you ever read it? Have you ever come to church? It gets all up in your business, and it's supposed to, but it's at work in those who accept its authority. Somebody say amen to that, please. So if this is true, if this is true, and that only the the scripture that we actually read or the scripture that we actually come, and like, you know, you're here tonight and you're listening to the word of God being preached, which is another way of receiving the word of God, um, how does it begin to work in us? Well, I want to I reiterate something. That when we approach the scriptures, we shouldn't approach the scriptures just to read the scriptures, but we have to allow the scriptures to read us, to read our lives, to, to, to get all up in our business, and we need to be okay with that, okay? And, and I'm going to break that down a little bit uh, in, a, in a couple minutes here. But we must let the scriptures read us because here's the deal. Have, have you, has anybody noticed that we live in a very, very educated, driven society that actually believes that all the solutions to our problems is more education, all the solution to our problems is to gain more knowledge, and when we get more knowledge, we'll be able to figure out all the world's problems? But I'm here to tell you that I do not believe that. Uh, and, and before you misinterpret what I'm saying, I want you to know this. I want you to know that I'm for education, okay? Uh, I, I, get your degree on, okay? <laughs> Go to college and, and do work, okay? I am for education. I am not against it. I am for gaining knowledge. I'm not against it. I just don't believe that that's the way that we're going to solve the world's issues. So what we know, listen to me. What we know, knowledge, what we know is important. But when I said yes to following Jesus Christ and when you said yes to following Jesus Christ, my final authority on how to think is the word of God. That's my final authority. Not my local college professor and surely not Dr. Oz, friends. Oprah and anyone else you want to throw in that mix. It is the word of God. So please hear me, everybody, and follow along on your notes. What we know is important, but how we love is primary. What we know is absolutely important, but how and the way that we love is primary and it trumps it. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, we know that we all possess knowledge. Everybody in this room possesses knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And I love how the New Living Translation uh, breaks this down. It says, but while knowledge makes us feel important, have you ever met somebody that is too smart for their own good? And they feel important when they start talking to you, right, and they start arguing with you. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. What we know is important, the way that we love is primary. So if we approach Scripture, hear my voice. When we approach Scripture to gain knowledge, Without love, we will become arrogant and we will become religious and we will hurt people and we will never experience true, authentic community and relationships, which is what this life is all about, friends. But if we approach reading the scriptures 
to grow in our love for God and for others. God will use his word to direct the affections of our heart to become people who look, act, and love more like Jesus Christ. So here's, <laughs> all right, go ahead and flip it over real quick. Yeah, flip it over. What does it say at the top? Love these scriptures. You guys are going to love these scriptures. You know, it's like when, when we open the word of God or when we come to church or when we go to small group, whatever it might be, we love to hear about the love of God, the grace of God, the freedom of God. We love being encouraged by scriptures. And, and by the way, here's some encouraging scriptures. And, and I took a few and I want to read them out loud to you. Follow along. Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Somebody say amen. amen. Those are encouraging scriptures. I need those. We need those. Those strengthen us. Those build us up. We need those kinds of scriptures. Those are uplifting, and I'm telling you, get in the word of God so that you can read these scriptures, look them up, meditate on them, because when you do, and you regurgitate on them over and over, you wanna know what meditate actually means in the Greek? You do? Three people? Maybe four. It literally means to mutter. In the original language, it means to mutter. So let's, let's take one of these scriptures. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If, if God is for me, who is against me? If my God is for me, who is against me? My God is for me? Oh, I thought some people were against me. No, God, you're for me. Okay, God, God, God. Oh, yeah, Lord. You know, you start meditating. Here's what happens. It actually, uh, it, would it, would it, it, the picture of meditation is that of a cow who, eats grass, they chew it up, they swallow it, and then they throw it back up in their mouth. I'm not kidding, this is what meditation means. They throw it back up in their mouth, and then they chew on it again. That sounds really appetizing, right? <laughs> they then extract more nutrients back out of that grass, swallow it again, they bring it back up, they do it again, and swallow it. That's how we're supposed to meditate on this book day and night. Meditate on this book day and night. Meditate on these scriptures. That's literally all it is. All you need to do is take one scripture. Take one of these scriptures and meditate on it and let God speak to your heart. Let God encourage you. That's what meditation is. So these are uplifting and encouraging scriptures right here. What we don't like to hear about or read about are the scriptures that get all up in our business. And here are some in-your-face scriptures that you're not gonna love so much. Mark 8, 34, this is Jesus. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If any one of you is ashamed of Jesus and his message in these adulterous and sinful days, Jesus is gonna be ashamed of you when he returns in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Who liked that one? Uh-huh, that's a scary scripture, but it's there. Here's a good one for you guys. Thank you, Lord. Get their attention, God, because you know I'm about to bring down the hammer. Run from sexual sin. <laughs> that was perfect timing. 
It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> you needed a little comic relief right up in there, didn't you? Run from sexual sin. Run from sexual immorality. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. This one took me out. Now, my wife and I, Lindsay, have and you know three amazing kids, and many of you have heard, you know, our, our story is one of uh, not living for God and not doing things things God's way, not actually believing and, and not living with the authority of the word of God as our standard in our life. And because of sexual sin, we got pregnant with our first son, Brendan, before we were even engaged. We were just dating. And he was nine months old when we got, when we got married. And I'm telling you, you, you probably look at us now and you probably think, well, it all worked out for you. But you don't know the pain. You don't know the suffering that we went through. You have no idea... And guys, if you could, if you could just pay attention and, and stop messing around, that'd be great. But you guys don't know the pain that we went through. And you don't want to go through the pain that we went through. But if the word of God is our authority, then flee from sexual sin. Right? Here's another one. But afterward, Jesus just gets done healing this guy. He comes up to him, he finds him in the temple, and he tells him, see, you're well now. You got better. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. It sure is quiet up in here. I didn't hear one amen until just then. But here's the, here's the deal. And you must always, 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 always eyes up and listen. You must always remember this because this is key to your discipleship process and this is key for you making the word of God your final authority in your life and your standard to live by. Encouraging and correcting scriptures both come from a loving God. Encouraging and correcting scriptures that correct you, that get all up in your business, they both come from a loving God. Sometimes scripture does encourage us. Sometimes scripture corrects us. Both come from a God and a father who loves. You know, all of my kids, I get, you know, I've got three of them. And my, my oldest son, Brendan, our middle child is Riley, and then we've got a one-year-old, Bodie. Um, we love them dearly. And, you know, with my, with my daughter... Riley, who you know has special needs, um, there's, there's sometimes that we want to like take it easy on her, but you know, she's a strong personality little girl, and I'm, I'm just telling you, there's, there's moments, I mean, I, I, my heart is just so entangled with her. I mean, she's got daddy's heart. Like when we go to bed at night, you know, she lays down every single night, and uh, she starts to, when she gets to this certain place of being so tired, she starts to whine and whimper and cry. And then I, I'll say to her, do you want daddy to sing to you? And she says, yes. <laughs> and so I sing the same song to her every single time I put her to bed. 
and she falls asleep within about 30 seconds, and I ain't telling you what the song is. That's between, <laughs> that's between me and my daughter. But I tell her, without her even asking how much I love her all the time, I tell my son, we'll be sitting on the couch, son, I am so proud of you. I love you so much. And you know what his response will be to me? Why? <laughs> because I love you. You are, you are a part of me. You, you are a representation of me and your mother, and I just love you, okay? Can daddy be proud of you? Okay, dad, I love you too. And then there's times. When my daughter is out, you know, near the street, and she's about to run out in the street, and uh, she sees a ball going across the street or something like that, and daddy comes along to correct. And daddy grabs his precious, beautiful baby girl and gets all up in her face, grabs her by the chin and says, don't you ever do that again. Do you understand me, young lady? Yes. The song that I sing to her at night and the grabbing of her face and telling her, you cannot go into that road, come from the same loving father. It comes from a pure heart of, of absolute love. And if you don't understand that God loves you so much that he wants to encourage you, he, he's, he's there to tell you that he loves you. He's there to tell you all those things. And if you've never heard that, I'm telling you that tonight. God loves you, but there are things in your life that God is going to correct, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be painful. But we have to become people, if we're really going to follow Jesus Christ with our lives, and not just be these kinds of Christians, and if we're really going to mature in our faith, then we have to become people who conform to the Word of God instead of trying to get the Word of God to conform to our life. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah, you can clap. That's, that's a good word. Now, I understand, I understand that none of us are there. I do not stand up here as a pastor, Pastor Eric Everhart's in the front. Listen, we, none of us, I'm on the journey with you. Amen? But correction and encouragement come from the same God, and he loves you very much, and he loves you enough to tell you where you're screwing up, and that's what Scripture does. Amen? We have to receive both of it, but you'll only receive it if you actually accept it as the final authority in your life, the Word of God. So, the Bible is full of explanations of God. It's full of his plans. His purposes are laid out for us to see in the Word of God, and it is absolutely the most incredible book that's ever been assembled, hands down. It is the best-selling book of all time. Amen. Nothing's come even close to it. And all of us need to become passionate about reading it. Matter of fact, one of the reasons that I taught through the book of Galatians and the book of Ephesians is to try to stir up hunger for the word of God in our lives. Hopefully that you guys would, would enter into this process of studying it with me so that you can see that there are so many amazing things about God's word that are trying to build us up and mature us so that we can look, act, and love more like his son, Jesus Christ. I hope that you're reading it. I, I hope that you're letting it read you. I hope that you explore it. I hope that you continue to do that. Highlight it, mark it up. That's what it is for. Get a paper Bible and mark that mug up. God's okay with it. 
Study it. Make time for it. And learn about Jesus and his teachings so that we can stand our ground. So my hope is that this series and, and those studies that we've been doing through the books of the Bible, I hope that it stirred up hunger for all of us to read the word of God and let the word of God read us. But we must never, ever, ever forget that even though it is extremely important to explore the Bible and to encounter Jesus in the scriptures, we must also keep in mind this. We need to have continual encounters with God, not just explanations of God. We have to have encounters with God, not just explanations of God. What I mean by that is this. Worship team is going to come up, and we're going to end in worship tonight. We're going to close this series out in worship, and I'm going to tell you why in just a few minutes. But coming to church and just listening to a, a pastor preach a sermon and, and, and just going home and studying the notes, all that is good. Listen to me. This whole series has been about that studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, letting the Word of God read us, letting it get inside of us, meditating on it, adding faith to the Word. All of that's great. But we must always remember that we need to have continual encounters with God, not just explanations of who He is. And we need the presence of God in our lives, not just the practice of reading the Bible in our lives. We need the presence of God in our lives, friends, not just practice. Friends, disciplines are absolutely great. Reading and studying the Bible is amazing. I love it. But what happens all too often is this. Many people become sort of, it becomes sort of ritualistic for them in their life. Instead of coming to the scriptures to have the scriptures read them and lead them into an encounter with God, it just becomes another Christian duty that gets checked off the to-do list for the day. And But you feel better about yourselves when you do it. You know, these Christians, they, we feel better. Oh, I read, I read through the book of Esther today. Check it off. The to-do list, right? And you feel better about yourself because you gain more knowledge. But knowledge puffs up instead of building up. Remember, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And the next thing you know, God feels like he's a million miles away and you've become a real good Christian and doing your Christian duties of being in the word every single day. And how do people get to this point, though, where they're doing all these Christian duties and they feel good about themselves, yet they feel like God is a million miles away and nowhere in sight. They can't hear the voice of God. They're struggling in their walk with other people. They're struggling loving God and loving others, but their Christian duties, they're great at them. And here's why. Because they elevated practice and religion over presence and relationship. And we must never become a people who elevate practice and religion over God's presence in our life and our relationship with God. Romans 8 says this. We're going to finish on this, and then we're going to worship. It says, but for you who welcome him, it's talking about God, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience, listen, it's talking about an encounter. You experience life on God's terms. It's talking about experiencing and encountering God. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God, that right there tells me that God is a relational God. 
an alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. By the way, friends, God wants to move in your life. <laughs> do you know that? God wants to move in and do some renovations up in hell. God is moving in your lives, and he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus Christ, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as, as alive as Jesus Christ. So, we must continually encounter and experience God, not just get explanations about God. Go ahead, Jasmine. You can play some keys for us. Um, that was quick, girl. <laughs> Isn't she adorable? She's amazing. Encountering God. You know, we can get so caught up in our Christian duties of coming to church, church attendance, all these different things that we, you know, the to-do list stuff, right? The Christian to-do list. I just, I got to do this. I got to go to small group. I got to go to church. I got to listen to the word of God. I got to read the word of God. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. And then you check them off and then you, you tell everybody and you, you want to know how you can, you can like pinpoint somebody that lives that way, they tell you all about it. They can't help themselves. I did this yesterday, and I did this yesterday, and then, and then I did this, and I did this, and then, and then I did this, and I read this book, and I, you know, I went away on a vacation for 10 days. I read 10 books in 10 days. Well, did you talk to your wife? How'd you do loving her? Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. So we need to encounter God. One of the ways that we encounter God is through worship. You know, it, it was interesting, uh, Pastor Eric Everhart, who spoke here uh, maybe six months ago or somewhere in there. Well, that's longer than that, maybe eight months ago. But uh, he, he had texted me earlier this week. He said, hey, I'm coming and I'm bringing a crew with me. I said, awesome, man. And I saw him tonight before the service. And he said, um, says, yeah, this is a Bible study that, you know, we meet on Wednesday nights and, and he, they said they wanted to switch things up and they wanted to just come worship. I said, well, you came to the right place because we're going to start with worship and we're going to end with worship tonight. He said, let's do this. I said, all right, we're going to do this. And here's why. In worship, we become, this is what scripture says, we become like the one we worship. So the whole goal of Christianity is to get all of us to look more and more and more like Jesus to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to, to, to look more, and we're being transformed into his image and likeness, the Bible says, from glory to glory. One of the ways that we communicate with God is in and through worship. And I understand for many of us that worship is weird, especially if it's, uh, you know, it's new to you, okay? Uh, I remember coming to this church for the first time, and uh, my wife and I came, the next week after I came by myself. And, and I remember people's hands were raised and there was people dancing up front and it freaked me out. I was like, where am I? This is a cult. This is crazy. I, my hands were like this. And I was looking down like this. 
I was super insecure. But the scripture says, raise your holy hands in the sanctuary, everybody. That's what scripture says. Scripture's clear. Now listen, for some of you, just the next step is like, carry the TV. Right? You know this one? Yeah, you go, girl. Right? And some of you, you know, it's all right to raise your holy hands in the sanctuary. God might just bless it. And actually, you know what it is when you raise your hands? What it is, is an act of surrender. God, I surrender to your ways. God, I do want your will to be done in my life. I don't want my will. I want yours. Because I want your path. I don't want my path. I know where my path took me. It took me right into a ditch, y'all. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Some of you are like, me too, boy. I'm with you, Pastor Kurt. But listen, what's the way out? Jesus Christ. You know what the solution to, to all your problems and all the world's problem is? Jesus. It's not Donald Trump, I promise you that. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> and it ain't Hillary neither. <laughs> Man, we are in a no-win situation, people. If there's ever been a no-win situation, we're in one. But thank God he has overcome the world. Come on. Come on, somebody. Give, give God some praise for that. So why don't you stand up with me for a minute? We're going to worship maybe a song or two. You know that how we do. We, we got all this room here. If you want to come up and worship with us, that'd be great. But here's what I want you to do. And if you feel like sitting down during this time of worship, you can do that too. But here's, here's what I'm just going to encourage everybody to do. Just do whatever you feel like God's asking you to do tonight, whatever that next step might be. But, you know, the book of Exodus, I think it's chapter 25, but don't quote me on that. Go, go look at it yourself or Google it or something. But it says that God says, I want you to make me a sanctuary. And there I want to meet with and I want to speak with my people. You know, any time that we come in here to worship God, he wants to meet with you. He wants to speak to you. Okay, not just the pastor, not just the preacher, not just the worship team leading us. They are leading us with their gifts and their talents, but it's all pointing us into a direction, and that direction is Jesus Christ. And we want to meet with him. I want you to meet with him. My whole goal this entire time I've been pastoring for the last three and a half years here at Access has just simply been for me to just get out of the way and point you to Jesus because he is the hope of the world. It's not a church building. It's, it's not a particular denomination. It's, it's none of those things. It's simply Jesus. That's it. So can we worship him tonight? And, and can you just posture yourselves in a posture of surrender and, and just try to listen and hear what God is saying to you? Because he wants to meet with you and he wants to speak with you tonight. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. I will worship. Father, thank you so much for this time that we have together, God. I thank you that, Lord, we're never going to despise the meeting and the gathering together of the body of believers. God, we have come here to worship you. And I just pray, God, that every single one of us would surrender 
fully tonight to whatever you're trying to do in us, whatever you're trying to say to us, whatever you want to speak to us, God, and whatever we need to speak out to you, God, you know the thoughts of our hearts. Search our hearts, God. Make us clean. God, if there's, if there's hidden sin in our lives, Father, I pray that people will just lay that down tonight. I, I pray that they would just be bold enough to, to ask you for forgiveness because you said that whoever will confess their sins, you're faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us all from all of our unrighteousness. So God, I, I pray that that takes place tonight. Change the way that we think. Change the way that we feel, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's... there's uh, Sometimes in worship, friends, and, and depending on the denomination or, you know, uh, stream that people kind of follow, if you will, or feed from or drink from in Christianity, there's, there's groups of people that feel like, oh, if, you know, you hear these terminologies, oh, if you're not slain in the spirit, then God didn't show up, or if somebody didn't prophesy, then Jesus wasn't there, or it's laughable. It really is, because don't you ever forget that the presence of God here tonight and even in your lives right now, he, maybe he just wants to show up with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and give you some self-control. By the way, that's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruits of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit God? Absolutely. Maybe some of you just need some peace tonight. Because sin has caused some chaos that you need to rid out of your life. And I'm just telling you that God is, is able to do whatever he said he can do. And he's, he's here to give you in exchange something that you, if you need to give him something, you give it to him tonight and he'll give you something in exchange. I promise you, make me a sanctuary and there I will meet with them and I will speak with them. Every time I meet with somebody, there's an exchange that takes place. Every time you do lunch with somebody, there's an exchange that takes place. Every time you speak with somebody, you're communicating. It's a two-way street, not just a one-way. Talk to God tonight. Encounter Jesus encounter God. Let's not just talk about him. Let's encounter God tonight. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Access RLC.